Welcome to Highlight, and come on, let me get that, Cesar. Thank you. And let's put our hands together for our new guest. If you're new with us, we thank you for being here. Thanks, Cesar, my man. And um, we thank you. You didn't have to be here today, and thanks, my friend. Cesar made this pub table, y'all, and it is amazing. Thanks, man. <laughs> Love you, man. It is amazing, and uh, it has an HL logo on the front, but thank you, our new guests, for being with us. We know it's raining and it's chilly outside, but you chose to get up anyway and make it to church, and so thank you all. Let's go ahead and get into the Word. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the Word. Let's stay in the Word today. Um, hopefully, you had a great Thanksgiving week. Um, I certainly had, had, an, had, an, had a good week, had a good week. Um, and uh, prayerfully, you got, you got some time there during Thanksgiving to, to thank God for a lot of things and to share your gratitude with your loved ones, your family, and your friends. Um, this year was the first year ever that my family, we went out to eat. Um, you know, when, when, when Grandma goes home to be with Jesus, there ain't nobody left in the house to cook. Um, Pastor Kyle's a great, a great cook. She's not here, but she's a great cook, so I don't want y'all saying nothing. But she's a great cook. But uh, we just chose to go out to eat, and it was a great time. And uh, we talked to our boys. Our, our, well, he turned 11 yesterday, so Jay turned 11. Keep him in prayer. Um, he's spent the, the last two to three days in the hospital. He's home now. But um, just some, some general, some weakness in his lower extremities and um, MRIs came back negative, but we're still just trying to get to the bottom of whatever it is that's going on with him. And so mom and Jay and Judah are home. Um, shoot our text, our email, pray for, for them, pray for our house. Um, but we're moving forward. But at dinner, we were able to share about the things that we were grateful for. And it got around to me, and I just simply said that I'm, son, I'm, I'm, I'm or, Kids, I'm, I'm grateful for your mom. She is an amazing individual. Um, she's, she is a blessing to my life. The Bible says that he who has found a wife has obtained favor from God. So she is a treasure. I said, I'm also thankful for you guys. You guys are amazing. I've gotten into this habit at nighttime of going into their room and um, when they're asleep and just kind of sitting at their desk and, and it's weirdly enough just staring at them. As, they, as their chest goes up and down and up and down and, and as they breathe. You know, you love them when, when they're awake, but you adore them when they're asleep. So um, it's a different level of love, adoration. Um, but just, 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 I love them. I love them. So essentially at dinner, I said, I'm thankful for my house. I'm grateful for my house. And if you're taking notes, we've already started. Uh, the word house in the Bible is defined as family or growing family. So I was telling the boys that I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my wife and uh, my two kids, my house, my house. A family or a growing family. And uh, I love God's heart for your house. I love his heart for your house. What better way than to see the heart of God for your house than to visit Genesis chapter 1. I tell people all the time, you can read Genesis and you see God's original intent for man before the fall. You see God's heart, his desire, his love for man uh, in Genesis 1. You also see it in Christ. But join me in Genesis 1, chapter, uh, verse 26. It says this here, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. 
Who is God talking to? God the Father is talking to Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So there you go. Uh, the Trinity. God is three in one. He's talking to the Trinity. You'll never find the word Trinity in Scripture, but you'll find the concept. So God is talking to them. He says, let us create man in our image. I want to, I want to encourage you here that this word image is layered, but I, I, and I'll try to uh, kind of sum it up here real quick. So number one, you are a soul with a body. You're not a body with a soul. So you are a spiritual being and you have an outward case. Um, I like to call it a tent. You have, you have a tent. We talked about this last Sunday, especially at the 930. We talked about this last Sunday, um, that, that your heart is, is the house of God. So you are a tent. You are a soul. When you come to Christ, the spirit of God lives in your heart. Your spirit comes alive. And so your first, the first level of who you are as, as being created in the image of God is that you're a spirit. This dies, but your spirit lives on forever. God is eternal in his image. Um, you have characteristics of God. Some of us, there are parts of God where he's introvert. There are parts of God where he shows up and, and through, all throughout scripture and he's an extrovert. Um, there are parts of God that he laughs. There are parts of God where he's, he's kind of chill and reserved and, and he's focused. So all of us together make up the personality and the characteristics of God. So you are created in the image of who he is. And this is a part of his image, too. It says this. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, small animals that scurry along the ground. I love that part of being created in the image of God is that God's original intent for you was to reign. It's to be above. So if you're under something, that's not God's will for your life. Unless we're talking about humility humbleness, service, submission. We're going to do a series next year, maybe called The Secrets to Success. Those are the secrets, humility, being humble, uh, being submitted for a season so that God can promote you. But if you're under stress, if you're under duress, if you're under abuse, if you're under depression, that is not God's will. You were created to reign over everything. In your life, nothing is supposed to reign over you. So, uh, a whole different message. Verse 27 So, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. This is a picture of the first house, the first family. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. So, God's heart, if you're taking notes, God's heart for your house is multiplication. God's heart for your house is multiplication, and you don't need a seminary degree to know what multiply means, but multiply simply means to increase and to become numerous. So he was telling them, be fruitful and multiply, like fill the earth, and don't just fill the earth, but, but from your home. I want to I bless your home. I want to grow your home. I want to grow your resource. God's heart. God's plan is for you to, here it is, if you're writing notes, this is good. 930 didn't catch it, but you're going to catch it because I prepared you. Here it is. God's plan for you, God's plan for you is to leave more behind than what is going to be left to you. God's plan for your life is to leave more behind to your children, to your, your nieces, your nephews, to, 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 to the friend for you to leave more behind than what is going to be or what has been left to you. It's multiplication because he's a God of generations. 
The Bible says that God is the God of a thousand generations. So, yes, he's thinking about me. He loves me. He sent Jesus for me. He died for me. But it's not all about me. It's about my kids and it's about my kids, kids. And it's about the kids that live next door. And it's about the kids that are in my city. And it's about the kids that are in my nation. I have a call. Everyone in this in this church has a call to your house, to your city, to your state, to your nation, to your world. So, yeah, God loves you, but it ain't all about you. God loves me, but it's not all about me. He, his plan is for you to leave behind more than what you've been left with. Um, like I said, I love Grandma. Love her to death. But she went home to be with the Lord. I think it's about 10, 11 years now. So I'm 32. I'm, 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 I'm reaching too far. About seven or eight years. But I, I, was, I was always saying, man, I'm, Jesus loves holidays when he's in heaven, especially Thanksgiving, because grandma's there. And your and your auntie, yo, whoever, they there. If they knew how to cook and they passed away in their heaven, they're there. So Jesus just walking around, buffet. Oh, yeah, give me that. Mm, give me that. Give me that. That's what I created you for, that cornbread. Give me that. Give me that casserole. Mm, yeah. Like, I, I know he had a good old time on Thursday, you know? I love grandma, but I remember when she passed away. I remember when she passed. And um, after she passed, the, the couple days when we tapped into that insurance policy. And um, th- this, is a, this, this is a prevalent thing, too, especially in um, the homes of minorities. Um, not to say that uh, Caucasians don't go through this, but this is a prevalent thing in the homes of minorities. Grandma only left enough for us to bury her. She loved Jesus. She went to church. She woke up at 5 a.m. She read her Bible. She listened to T.D. Jakes. She listened to Joel. She, listened. she, read, she knew it. But, but grandma, grandma she, didn't, she left faith, which is the most important thing, but she didn't leave anything else. And I, I don't see where that is God's full will for the house. And so... Uh, according to Genesis, at the very least, he said, be fruitful and multiply. I know for us, PK and I, we plan to leave our kids an inheritance of faith, family, finances and impact. That's, good. That, that's what we plan to do. And, and it starts with having a multiplication mentality, a multiplication mentality. So some of you will probably say, well, I'm, I'm a teenager or, or I'm single and I don't ever know if I'll, I'll don't ever know if I'll meet that person. I'll be married. My encouragement to you is, is this. Whether you're married or not or you're young, you can begin to develop a multiplication mentality now. You got to look at it. In Genesis, in, in, in chapter 2, God created everything and he put Adam there. And then he said, he said, cultivate it. So God gave Adam a job before he gave him a spouse. So Adam had to have a multiplication mentality before Eve came on the scene. So all this, well, pastor, you're talking about house and a growing family. That's not me. It is you. You can have a multiplication of increase, a mentality of increase right now. So I want to give you a few thoughts. And uh, our message today is entitled Multiplication Mentality. Today we're going to deal with your house. Last week, hopefully you caught the 930. We dealt with having a wealthy heart. Catch the podcast. Um, But today we're going to deal with a multiplication mentality. Your house. Number one, the first thought is this. I am a steward. My name's not Stuart, but I'm a steward. It's a great name, but 
I am a steward. <laughs> Sam, I love you. Oh, man. My girl. Romans eleven thirty six, the living Bible. Here it is. For everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power and everything is for his glory. To him be glory evermore. I love that first, first sentence. It says, for everything comes from God. My strength, my talents, your relationships, your finances, the air that you breathe, none of it belongs to you. None of it belongs to me. The clothes I have on, TVs, our cars outside, the rain, the cool weather, our time, none of this, this ring, none of it belongs to me. It all comes from God. A lot of us will say, well, you know, I, I've studied hard and I moved to that city and I got the degree and I got the connection and I worked hard and I did this and I grind. And I'll say, well, where did our strength come from? Who created the person that opened that door for you? Who created the job? Who gave Steve Jobs the idea? Who gave Elon Musk the innovative idea? Who, who really wrote the book that you're loving reading right now? It all came from God. And what I believe is this, is this, is that what I have belongs to God, but this is the great part, is that you have the opportunity to manage and to maximize the resource. It all belongs to God, but with this understanding that I'm a steward, I'm a manager, I have the opportunity to increase it. If you're taking notes, the word opportunity means a chance to grow. So like I said, he created Adam. If you go through Genesis 2, he created Adam. Then he put him in this field. And he said, Adam, I need you to cultivate the land. So what I've given you, the word cultivate means I need you to grow it. I've given you everything you need. Now grow it. It's not yours, but I'm lending it to you. Now do your best with it. Grow it. Grow it. it, it it's, it's your steward. You manage it. And based upon how you cultivate it, that's going to bring back the return. So I am a steward. Like, I could bring up the founding documents of, of, this, of this church and show you on stage the 501c3, the bylaws, this and that, and how I have us voting on certain matters, the board. I'm the president of the board. I'm the founder of the church. The IRS recognizes that. But what, what, I, what I do know is, is this. Anytime God wants to remove Highlight Church from my hands as the lead pastor, he can because this isn't my church, it's God's church. And, and, and so, um, and I hope to one day be able to say, all right, um, I'll never retire because all of us are ministers of the gospel. If, you, if you've come to Jesus, your call is to spread the good news wherever you are, in the marketplace, in, in the church, wherever you are. But I hope to one day when God says, okay, it's time to hand this church over, that I hand, over, hand it over to the next pastor in good standing, that there is no debt. That, that he has teams, he has thousands of people. Hopefully, he and his wife and his family could come in with a nice package, and they can just s settle into their calling. Hopefully, you know, I've stewarded well enough over 50, 60 years to say, here you go, man, here, here are the keys. But, but, but you got to understand that you're a steward. Every dime that you have, your time, that education, you are a manager, and it is an opportunity every day to get up, to put a smile on our face, to be expectant, to have faith, and to move forward into everything that God has for us. So how do we multiply our resource? Number one, you need advice. You need advice. 
personally, uh, like, you know, I, I wouldn't trade my mom and my dad for anything in the world. The greatest parents ever. They were both present. They were amazing. But, you know that, that word, that big but. But I never saw them pray together. I never saw them budget. I never saw them sit down at a table and set financial goals in our home. I never saw it. I never saw it. And that's no hit on them. Maybe they did things because they didn't know any better. But, but as I got older, I heard the bickering and the complaining. Well, I paid this, and I gave your mom this. I don't know what she does with it. I gave your dad this, and to help him do this, I heard that. I never saw my parents plan. I, I was never taught credit. Debt, maybe some of you have, but after I share these stats with you, maybe most likely most of us have not, but I was never taught credit, debt, equity, or more specifically, God's principles on finances. And the fact that uh, uh, out of, you know, faith, love, heaven and hell put together, God talks more about finances than he does anything else in the scripture, finances. I was never taught those principles. And I never knew how much God cared about it. And it carries on in our culture today. The average household spends 140% of its income. If you're not good at math, that is not good. You're sitting there like, man, they killing it. I wish that was me. No, no, no. 140%, meaning they're spending 40 cent more per dollar. Um, 55 to 60% of families live paycheck to paycheck. 95% of marriages argue on a weekly basis. The number one cause of divorce is from arguments due to finances. That's why it's important that we are taught healthy ways of increase. That's why it's important. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Plans go wrong. They go haywire. Oh, when I married her, it was, it was amazing. Man, she was, he was my dream girl. He was, she was my dream girl. He was my dream man. A year, two, three years in, after a few kids kicking there, I don't know. Well, the plan was to die together, rich or poor, till death do us part. You need to get around some advisors. Marriages need healthy marriages. Broke people need affluent people. <laughs> You need to get around some advisors. I, I have pastors in my life who are 7, 8, 10, 15 years my senior, and they're saying you're in year three. The things you're going through is normal. Whoo! thank you, Jesus Christ. I need to know it. But because if I don't, I I'm, I'm get depressed, you get stressed, you get worried, you're like, I'm gone, I'm moving back to Florida. But when someone that's older and that's made it and, and they're doing their thing and God has used them can come in and say, it's okay, you're going to make it. This is how you navigate it. This is how you raise up new leaders. This is how you keep moving forward. You're going to make it. You, you, you see better because you've put yourself around advisors. So the deal here is, is that you need to expose your resources to those who are more experienced, more knowledgeable, and who have had greater success in that area of your life. So if it's, I don't understand my Bible, you need to get around someone who knows their scripture. Hey, would you, would you go out with me for, you know, uh, the next four weeks for an hour, catch coffee? I really want to understand 
how to, how to hear God's voice when I read the scripture. You got to get with someone, right? Hey, uh, we're, in a, we're in a financial bind and, and we just, we're, we're depressed and we're just, we just feel like it's an ever-growing battle. We're never going to get to the top of the hill. You need someone to sit down and to, and to go over your numbers and to tell you, this isn't good, but this is what we can do. Right. And it's going to it's going to take it's going to take some some things to get out of this hole. You need you need advice. Number two, you need a plan. Those with with the multiplication mentality, they have a plan. Y'all okay out there? All right. So and this is why, because 44 percent of Americans don't have four hundred dollars set aside for an emergency. Forty three percent of Americans are not paying back their student loans. 35% of Americans have $0 saved for retirement. And if you really look at millennials, 75% of millennials don't have a dollar saved for retirement. By the time millennials retire, we will need $1.8 to $2.5 million to be comfortable in our retirement. We don't know if Uncle Sam's, uh, well, not Uncle Sam, we don't know if Social Security is going to be there. So don't, don't, don't put your eggs in that basket. Even today, if, if you are 17, 15, start putting five bucks to the side. Build, build that. Build that muscle in your life. Put it and don't touch it. Put it and don't touch it. Well, I don't have any money. You know, it's, it's four days left until payday. It's in the savings for a reason. You'll survive. Go to work. Take your butt home. Fix some PB&J and sit down somewhere. I'm preaching to myself now. They don't have a plan. Jesus said this. Uh, here he is. He's, he's going to talk about it. Here it is. Luke 14, 28 through 30. Don't begin until you count the cost. <laughs> For who would begin construction on a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. Jesus is. Jesus had a. You know, they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. See how practical your Lord was? You, you got you to have three kinds of plans when it comes to your finances. Number one, if you're taking notes, you got to have a spiritual plan. A spiritual plan. Which is nicknamed tithe. That has to be the spiritual plan. The word tithe means 10%. 10%, the first 10%. And, and it's a principle all throughout Scripture that God honors. You don't have to give 10%. You can give two. You can give three. You can give five. That's totally up to you. It's not a heaven or hell thing. But what I want to remind you of is, is that none of that money is yours. And all that God asks for, and which he doesn't have to, is 10%. And, and so you give to God through the local church. The Bible says in Hebrews 7, 8, that on one account we're giving to man, but on the same account we're giving to God. We're giving, I love it. It's Hebrews 7, 8 says we're giving to man who dies. So when you bring your tithe to the church, yeah, like the ushers receive it. We get it. We put it in the pies, personnel, and equipment and ops and outreach. We do what we have to do to honor God. That's why it's important that you find a church that you trust. But it says on the, on, the same, on, the, on the other side of the same coin, you're giving it to Jesus. So your tithe is actually a supernatural transaction in heaven that heaven documents. 
And so you, you got to have a spiritual plan, and that's the tithe. If you really want to get and, and become a generous person, you give above and beyond 10% ever so often, or you make it a habit. So, so maybe you give 11 or, or, or 12 or 13 or 15. Um, I told you, well, I told the 930 last week, but I've said this before, <laughs> that um, uh, Pastor Kyra and I, every other year, we increase our, our offering. And I, I don't say this to brag, but we're, we're a couple percent higher than 10. And that's what we give every Sunday. Because our, our, our goal, and I'll talk about here a long-term plan in a second, but our goal is to live on 10% and give 90. So if you're thinking about that, like if we're living on 10%, what, what, kind, of, what kind of money is that? But we're giving, we're giving 90 to the church and to charity and to outreach and to world missions. Jesus said uh, to the disciples before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the earth and, and tell people about who I am. Start in, start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. So you are called. Here it is. Uh, Jerusalem, your city. Judea, uh, your state. Samaria, your region, the world, all the other ends of the world. So the reason why you start with 10% is because God is working on your trust. It's a principle. And, and we talked last week about how tithing is not about affordability. It's about priority. As soon as you get paid, you can afford it. But it's when you let a few days go by and McDonald's kicks in, when you should have did the PB&J, you can't afford it. Right? Y'all all right? All right. You got to have a spiritual plan. Number two, you got to have a short term plan, a short term plan for your resource. And, and that is a weekly or, or biweekly or monthly budget. That's a short term plan. You know where every single dollar is going. And you got to have a long term three. What's your three year plan? What's your five year? Are you attacking debt? You got to attack debt. The Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. It's okay. I won't say it's okay to have debt, but it's okay to have a plan. You may, you may be discouraged today, but if you get a plan and if you get some advice and if you would lean in for the next three to five years, however long it takes, when you get free, you're going to be able to do things that God has really put on your heart. But you got to get intentional about this area of your life. So you got to have a short-term plan, a long-term plan. Retirement. I just said it. Millennials and probably the next generation is going to be even worse. One point eight to two point five million dollars to retire. And guess what? Every day we're dying. So you're getting older. You, you won't be 20 all your life. You won't be 25. You won't be 30. You won't be 30. You won't. You got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. And, and God is so gracious. And I believe America is still blessed enough for you to you to get up this week and go to a financial advisor, go to a friend who can help you start a plan. And so you can get advice and a plan. But the third thing you need is discipline. That's the X factor. How many would attest? Because I sure can. I'm not I'm talking as a brother today, a passionate brother that most of us eat out way too much. Ooh, it's, it's a thing that, that me and my wife and I were honing in on, and uh, we're, we're mobile a lot. we got to meet this person, pray for this person, do the, and so we got to eat, but we're trying to figure out a way to get discipline, you know, and so you, you, need, you need discipline. Um, someone, go ahead, take your right hand and put it on your forehead 
and, and repeat after me. Say, Lord, give me discipline. Amen. Receive that, that anointing. And if you're sitting next to someone that you know is disciplined, you, you may need to just say, Lord, give me their discipline. There it is. There it is. Proverbs 27, verse 23 says this. Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. In an agricultural society, flocks were finances. So, so Solomon, the wisest and richest man to ever live, his advice, this is just a little piece of it, but you can read Proverbs. There are 31 Proverbs. You can read one every day of the month. One little piece of advice, he said, this is how I became rich, besides the fact that my dad, my dad left me a lot of money, King David. But this is how I kept it, and I multiplied it. I'm a little salty. You hear me? I'm like, man, dang. Boy, he was hooping. He was balling. And so, um, know the state of your flocks. And he, he said, you got to know where every dollar is going. Because what happens is we go out there. I thought this is my wallet. This is my phone. We go out there, and we pull out that card. And we, we try to calculate it. Oh, that was 15 bucks. That was, uh, and, and that's Monday. So, well, okay, cool, great. Yeah, I only spent like $27 today. And, and you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday goes, and it's, it's, it's low. Where did all the money go? Oh, man, I forgot. We went to at home. We went to Cold Stone. We went, dang, we went to the movies. We spent 80 bucks on our family. I forgot. And it's that discipline that you need. It's that, well, maybe I can Netflix and chill and invite my friends over. Right. It, it, it's that discipline. Don't put your resource in a hole. Come on. I, I said this last year doing uh, maximum capacity because th- this some principles are just eternal. And so I just brought this from last year, repackaged it. But I said this. I said um, eating out is like flushing your money down the toilet. <laughs> I don't mean to be too graphic, but you get what I'm saying? It's like you took a wad of a thousand dollars. And just so you got to be disciplined. And all of us have different vices. It may not be food. It could be clothes. It could be it could be that vacation that you're going to put on your credit card. But it's not costing you two grand when the when that interest rate kicks in. It's costing you more like four or five grand. I'll just put it on the card and worry about later. Mm -mm. No, no, don't. We got to we got to get some discipline. Do the things you need to do now so you can do the things you want to do tomorrow. Practice healthy discipline. I'm going to take us to a story in Matthew 25, Jesus again. Um, He tells about how this master comes and he gives bags of silver to three different employees. Jesus is teaching us about stewardship and how to have a multiplication mentality. This is how God actually thinks. This is what you would call uh, old uh, ancient Jewish wisdom. Let's go to Matthew 25, and uh, we'll pick it up at verse 19. Jesus loved telling parables, and here it is. It says, long after, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forth with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. He said, well done, 
You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now we'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Understand this. Understand this. When you have been given more responsibility, be it in your home, in your parenting, on the job, or at school, it is a form of reward. It truly is God saying that you were faithful in a past season, so I'm trusting you with more. So never see more responsibility as a curse. It is God saying, I approve of you, and I'm ready to promote you and move you forward in this process. The servant who had received two bags did the same thing. Verse 23, skip on down. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24, then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. You're already starting out wrong. (laughs) Who is your replacement? (laughs) Oh, my God. Jesus was. All right. So here it is. I just I love the Bible, man. It's just so real. and It's so good. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest. Verse 28, then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well, here's the principle, what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. Anyone want abundance? And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. I want to give you three more thoughts for those of us who are going to cultivate and grow in a multiplication mentality. Number one, what I see here first is we got to utilize our time very well. Got to learn to utilize time very well. My, out of everything that's gone on in the story, my favorite part about the story is at the top of verse 19, where it said, after a long time, he returned. That, that's, everything else is awesome, but that's my, there's so much revelation in that. Let me tell you how God operates. God will give you something, be it a job opportunity, a relation, I don't know. He'll give you something. But in the spiritual realm, we don't see that after he's given it to us, he's backed off. And we don't know, Uncle Johnny, if it's three days, three months, six months, six years, 10 years, 20 years. We don't know. 2020, 20 years. We don't know when he's ever going to return. But when he does, he has a plan to either give more or to take what you did not use. So we got to learn to utilize time very well. Why do I say that? Because you can lose money and get money back. You can lose a relationship, get new ones. But you can never get time back. To me, if I have to give my personal opinion, and if I could even show you from the text, in which I think we just did, time is more valuable, more valuable than money. Because it's the time that you need to grow in any area of life. But how are you using the time? I want to give you a formula real quick. It's very simple. And it'll pop up. Responsibility plus resource 
plus time equals reward. And this is not just finances. This is every area of your life. Maybe you are waiting on God to send that, that special person. But are you being responsible in your singleness? Are you staying out of places you shouldn't be? Are you honoring God with, with your body? Are you honoring God in, in your devotion to him? Are you being responsible? Responsible. Then resource. Resources is that thing that he gives you to multiply. Then time it equals reward. Proverbs 13, 11 says this. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. So all those little do this and you'll be $10,000 a month in, in, in five days. Bible says don't trust it. If you do this and you move up the pyramid and you move up and you do this and you do that and you do that. By the word of God says watch out for those things. If you buy the cloth that's anointed that Jesus touched. If you buy this cloth. Well, how am I going to buy it if it's only one cloth? You sending it to a million? You'll be blessed. Uh Uh-uh. The Bible says this, though. Wealth from hard work grows over time. And if I could just talk to us, us, us 40 and unders, if we're not careful, This generation can begin to, a lot of us have already started, we began to develop an allergy for hard work. But that's how God blesses. Getting up early. Being excellent. Having a good attitude. That, that's how God will grow all forms of wealth in your life. A wealth of peace, a wealth of joy, a wealth of strength, a wealth of wisdom, a wealth of finances, a wealth of influence. It, it, it's understanding that that job you have right now, those children you have right now, those opportunities, that school, that everything you have is a gift from God. It is five bags of silver, two and one. And it's all in how you are responsible with it. So, so don't, don't, don't uh, disdain it. Don't look down on it. Don't be, oh, I got to show up here. Don't do that. You're undermining your own process. Well, my boss, all he do is sit in the office all day. We do all the work. Sounds like the guy that Jesus was talking about. But what does what he does have to do with your process? Your boss, your pastor cannot promote you. Only God can. And God is watching every, is, is he being responsible with his resource and with his time? Ultimately, this is what I'm saying. What you do with what you have today will determine the caliber of life you live tomorrow. It's that simple. What you do with what you have today will determine the caliber of life you live tomorrow. And we also have to understand this. If you write your notes, is that God operates in seasons. You need, to, you need to write this down. In Genesis, he established seasons. Winter, spring, summer, fall. And there's a universal principle in scripture. Paul talks about sowing and reaping. A lot of times when we're looking for a harvest in the fall, maybe it's because we didn't sow in the spring. But if you sow now, 
And if you keep tilling and fertilizing and sowing and watering, where in the world could you be in your faith? Where could you be in your finances? Where could you be in your growth? One, two, three, four, five years down the road. Use your time well. I love that. That looks beautiful. Second thing here is that vision adds value to your house. That vision, you got you to gotta pray and ask God, what, 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 are you, what are you doing in my home? What are you calling us to? Vision adds value. The third servant lacked vision for his house. So, so he got up in the morning, and, and his wife would kiss him in good faith, thinking that this joker is going to work to do something. But he shows up at work, and he buries. He, he buried it because he didn't have a vision. He didn't have foresight. The Bible says, without vision, the people perish. And, and they cast off all restraint. So when you, don't, when you don't have direction, when you don't have goals, when you don't have, have vision, you just you wake up and it's like, let me bury it. Vision adds value to your house. He squandered his opportunities. He buried his money, his time, his talent. Therefore, watch this, his home lost value. Wow. What did the master do? Give me what you have, and I'm going to give it to someone who's doing something. Watch this. God loves you. But if in, in time, if you don't do something with what God has given you, he'll take what you have because there's always someone waiting in line to multiply. Right. We can clap for that. I know that was, that was quiet, but it's good. And I, I love the vision of our church. I, I remember when, when God said, this is the city, and, and I had to go back to Florida and say, well, we're moving to Gaithersburg. When, when he gave me the vision, he gave me a vision of tens of thousands of people. Tens of thousands. And, and, and that's when the mandate to, to, he said, I want Highlight to cover the state of Maryland. That's where the 2020 vision comes from. So, so when we're in week two, and there is 28 adults in this room, and maybe 10 or 12 kids in the back, and I'm, I'm preaching from a ladder. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be a great message. They're going to love it. And I had to, pre- you remember that. I was preaching on a ladder. Y'all were scared to death. I preached about Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus got in the tree to see Jesus. And I preached like, and 28 people in here had a vision. Because 28 was not our portion. It's tens of thousands. It's more influence. It's millions of dollars. It's. It's people being set free. It, that, that, that's not our portion. We're, we're going somewhere. So God forbid if, 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 if God says, all right, week two, 28 people. You still go preach from a ladder because ain't no one in there? Well, if that's how you prepared me to preach it, that's how I'm going to bring it. Because I don't want to squander my future. And, and so vision, and, and that's why I'm excited. You, you have to have a vision. Write these things down for your faith your family, and your finances. You got to get a vision. Your faith, your family, your finances. Is it a non-negotiable to to serve the local church and to give and to be plugged in? The Bible says, um, raise up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when they get older, they won't depart. Raise them up in the ways of God. When you're worshiping and you're lifting your hands and 
and your kids come in the main experience and they see that, you're just teaching them how to worship God. You're teaching them how to put God first. When you sit them down at the table and you say, this is what we do in this home. We put God first in our finances, 10%. You're giving them vision. The richest American in the history of America, John D. Rockefeller. He, his father was estranged from the home, so his mom raised him. And his first job, his first paycheck, was $1.50. The first thing this woman of God did with her son, who would go on to be the richest American to ever live, three times as rich as Elon Musk, if you calculate his wealth today. He's, he's since passed. The first thing she did with her child when they were poor, with that $1.50, she said, son, 15% of that belongs to the Lord. And that thing stuck in his heart. And he tithed. And he tithed. And he led, a, he led a Bible study and a prayer meeting every week of his life. And he owned 90% of the oil industry. Well, I'm busy. He was real busy. But he had vision. So, so, so God continued to add value to his house. The third thing as we close out, Mercy, go ahead and close me out is that if you're going to have a multiplication mentality, you have to understand that God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. What I love about the first two servants is, is that they had an understanding about their master, about the character of their master that enabled them to manage well. And... Uh, a lot of times when we're believing God for something, in light of what God has called us to steward, but we don't see that, that prayer answer, maybe, just maybe, we were not conducting things in a way that showed God that we trusted his character. The third servant said, I knew you were a harsh master. The other two didn't complain. They just got to work because they knew deep down that their master was good. And they knew that when he came back, the Bible says that when Jesus comes back to take us to heaven, whether we're alive or passed away, when Jesus comes back, the Bible says that I come back with my reward. That's eternal life. That's no more struggle, no more pain, no more sin. That's all that. But before we go to heaven, the same principle applies that God wants to enter in your life. It could be January. It could be February. It could be summer with some form of reward. But the question is, is do you trust him? And I want to encourage you that he is good. Jeremiah 17, 7 says this. It says, but blessed are those. Blessed, that word there means happy. It means fulfilled. Are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. So whether you're going through good times, bad times, highs or lows, God is good and he is faithful. I just want to encourage you, press in, be excellent, be responsible. He's going to come through. He's a good God. Put your hands together. God is so good. Hallelujah. Come on, we can do better, church. Get excited. Get excited. This is your season. This is your season. And so I do want to encourage you that in two weeks, go ahead and pray. Pray, get your heart ready as we prepare our end of the year offering, December 15th. 
uh, that's above and beyond our regular giving. Um, let's put God first. And, and let's be ready to step out on faith. It's going to be scary for a lot of you. But you ought to pray and ask God, what should I give, Lord? For some of you, it'll be your first time giving. For some of you, it won't be your first time giving, but you're finally going to commit to giving a consistent tithe and offering. But every year in our, in our household, the Reading household, it increases, and it's scary, but God is always faithful. So if God gives you a number, just trust him. He's going to come through. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that a level of just confidence in your goodness would arise in our hearts. God, I thank you that today you affirmed a lot of things in our lives. You've convicted us. You're drawing us closer. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, God, as you prepare us to be more generous and to trust you on a greater level. With every head bowed, if you don't know Christ, I just want to let you know that God loves you with an unfailing love. There's no sin, no wrong that you've done that can separate you from God's love. So if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you want to receive forgiveness and a new beginning, this is your time. Just repeat this prayer after me if that be you. Church, let's say it loud together. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Come into my heart. I turn from a life of sin. I love you. I am yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Celebrate, church. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Love you.